Um, you can put this at the at the beginning if you want to. Yeah. Um. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Postmates podcast. Hold on, I I clicked in your in the middle. No, that's fine. Too. Um. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Postmates podcast. This is the first episode in a while. Uh, Zach and I just tried to do the first kind of episode where we uh, incorporate using the screen a little bit more. Um. So you know, we just did it. Um. I was really happy with it. And, uh, yeah. Here, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, uh, I think, I think the whole sort of point of what we call post noise, uh, is that the sort of like spontaneous narrative is joined by these, um, sort of snapshots of things that cross our mind and these things are often archived i mean are 100 percent for the most part archived on the internet so it's like it's cool to have that to be forming sort of a structure and a backdrop to our conversation yeah and uh you know i think the conversation that we had is like what what can we do to make this podcast more uh accessible and have maybe more of a uh a narrative quality to it mm -hmm. and uh this i think is seeing sort of what we're talking about is super helpful too yeah and i think i think this is sort of the first experiment with uh you know having visuals and other audio present and having the discussion sort of anchored by uh media these media clips and uh i don't know i'm excited for it i'm excited to see where it goes yeah yeah but um and so uh here we go we're about to begin uh, with uh, Childish Gambino. Yeah. Here we go. Have fun. Wow, good intro. Good thing to start on. Dude, this video's been... Like, just I think about it a lot. Yeah. Um, everyone's thinking about it a lot. It's brilliant. And that's like an understatement. It's man, I was just thinking this the other day. Who would have thought that Donald Glover would be like like this is this year's like um like all right. You know what I mean? Like the Kendrick song. Yeah, it does feel that way. This is America. Don't get you slipping no. Do you hear static? Sorry. D did you hear static before? No. Yeah. Just from a like a visual standpoint, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's incredible. Like I love I love these characters who hop in in the middle. Yeah. And like they've got this like they just they echo uh uh Eisenhower forcing the schools to integrate. Yeah, exactly. That moment. Exactly. That's and, exactly what they are. Yeah, and for some reason, his shirtlessness, like, that's all it takes for him to echo slavery for yeah. some reason. Oh, and the pants. Look at the pants. I don't know why yeah. the pants do that. The buttons. Is that it? Yeah. It's funny, I, like, haven't been able to put my finger on why they, like, read a slave so strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, there's no zipper. They're button pants. Yeah, he totally... I mean, he's like this minstrel character. He's this shirtless slave, basically. This is America. Don't get you slipping, no. Don't get you slipping. 
That part with the choir fucking destroyed me. The first yeah. time I saw this, I was like, holy shit. It's just, that's Dylan Roof, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, totally. It was just like, holy fuck. I love how he moves. There's something really, like, hypnotizing for me of just, like, how he dances. I can't believe how awesome this song slash video is. Yeah. I never noticed uh, the kids on, that they're on their phones yeah. up in that moment. Yep. Um, this moment reminds me of Gucci Gang, and I'm yeah. not sure if that's, like, a whole aesthetic that, yeah. like, I just don't know about. Or if it's like, I mean, he's doing like, he's doing like very modern rap, and I don't know enough about rap to say, but I, I, I think it's like trap music, like that style. Uh -huh. but he's doing mumble rap, but he's childish Gambino. Huh. He's basically. pretty amazingly diverse in like his ability to perform. I mean, he's like a pretty good comic. He's a pretty good actor. He's yeah. clearly a good. I mean, like, as far as I can tell, he's a great rapper. Yeah. Um. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of his acting. I mean, he's a great actor, I guess, as far as I can tell. From, yeah. From Community. Um, I've seen his stand-up, and I wasn't that stoked about it. But, like, you know. Oh, yeah. He was doing as good as, like, most comics. Like, he's no yeah. he's no Bill Burr, but, like, still, like, so good at so many yeah, things. He's pretty amazing. He's a polymath, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. A lot of people love him. I think he hasn't been taken super seriously as a rapper because kind of in the way Drake catches a lot of criticism because he's not from like his image isn't consistent with like someone who's really struggled, you know, is it because I, I have no idea what his background is, but uh -huh. it's like he's already famous, you know, and he's and he's also a rapper and that he used to be one of the softest rappers in the game. <laughs> I think he might have been actually. <laughs> that would that would be worth looking into. Yeah. I think uh, he might have been one of the softest rappers in the game. Um, which, by the way, I'd love to see that list. Oh that's, yeah, that's such a I good wanna, list. There might be a new. Uh, there might be a new uh, year. Yeah. Oh well, I hope he's Let's been see. doing it every year. When was the last time he did one? Twenty fourteen. Was that when you made that video? That was so long ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> Fuck. Um, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey yo. <laughs> Look at this. Wait, it's on the front it's on the first page of Google. I Wait, Google. go back, go back, go what back. Do you mean? No, but look oh, at Oh yeah. It's it's like featured. <laughs> well they they you know, it's it's gotten close. That's so funny. Ayo, hey, the top ten softest. How do I zoom in? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. This website shit. Wait, is this his MySpace page? It feels like it. Oh, God. It's so bad. It's so poorly made. The Pillsbury Doughboy. It's amazing how he, like, <laughs> writes in the way that you'd expect him to speak. Hey, yo, what up, y'all? This, this big... is a big ghost face, I mean. <laughs> I mean, P-Tone is now... What the Sorry, fuck? I'm scrolling. I just want to know... Oh, uh, Do you know... Kid, Kid Cuddy? A.K.A. Ayo Cuddy. Ayo Cuddy. A.K.A. Kid Cuddy. This would be so much funnier to me if I knew who these people were. Wait, slow down, slow down. I'm sorry. Do you know any of these people? No, this is an old list. What year is this? From? I don't know. I don't know. Kid Cuddy. Oh, like... this is 2011. Oh, yeah. This is old news. All right. Let's see if we can get uh, 2017. Has he? He must. 
six annual softest. <laughs> so it looks like the last one was 2014. Oh, wow. Uh, wait a minute. Wait, this might be the one you read. Hey, yo, what hey, yo, up? What it's up? your boy, Ghost. Big Ghost, a.k.a. the new Russell Simmons, a.k.a. Acrobatic Chromosomes, a.k.a. the legendary Phantom Ravioli, a.k.a. Thor Molecules. A.K.A. Shampoo Bracelets, The Panty Meter, Melter, AKA no, The Panty Melter. The Panty Melter. <laughs> this, okay, I just, I want to clarify for the audience, uh, which I guess. Yeah, hey, yeah. welcome to the show, everyone. We started the show off with the. We the, started off with a bang. We started off the show with the, uh, well, what is it called? Childish Gambino, and now we're on to Ghostface Killers. <laughs> We're uh, trying to welcome well, to the Post Noise Podcast. Wow, here fuck. we are. Yeah, the, what's funny is when we set out to make this episode, we were like, we really need to engage with our listeners mm. more, and we've immediately just alienated Got, everyone and <laughs> immediately gotten lost into just reading <laughs> from the internet. No, but okay. Well, I'm well, trying I mean, to but, I'm trying to figure out a good way to narrate and share this because this is maybe my favorite thing on the internet. Oh, I mean, it is a it is a a, tr- a treat to listen to. I oh think. God, it's so um, good. Just <laughs> yeah. Man, it's it okay. So just to catch everyone up, this is uh, Ghostface Killer. Apparently, was publishing these lists six of, six years in a row. Oh, six years in a row of the ten softest rappers in the game, and uh, Brian, uh, the year after we graduated college, made this amazing video that I think I might have been the first to see. Before it went on YouTube, I th- I feel like you sent it to no. me. Oh, maybe I was you in email- Maine. You emailed it to me. Oh, I did remember. I? Huh. Yeah, from Maine, hmm. and it was it was you in the photo lab. Yeah, reading Ghostface Killer's list, <laughs> like in this really like villainous gravelly voice. Yeah. You're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like that's not what Ghostface sounds. Like. I have no idea what Ghostface sounds like. I've just read his words, but it's hey, just like, hey, yo, what up? It's, it's your boy, boy. Ghostface, <laughs> aka the Russell Simmons, yeah, aka yeah, yeah. Acrobatic Chromosome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're just like turning into this like gargoyle, <laughs> which is <laughs> like I'm almost tempted to do more of like a Flava Flav thing. Wait, so this is an important question, okay? Because Flava Flav comes up a lot, right? In, in our discussions, because uh, we love Flava Flav of also, is, uh, you know, is it is it racist to do a Flava Flav impression? Because his voice is pretty distinct. Dude, it feels racist to just watch Flava Flav. <laughs> yeah, You're just like, oh, man, I feel like I'm ruining my impression of black people. Oh, my God. Like, he's the because fucking biggest he... idiot I've ever seen. <laughs> he's the biggest cartoon character of what, like hip-hop stars are hip-hop success yeah <laughs> this clock this giant fucking clock yeah viking <laughs> i mean Flav- like this yeah flave made it look at him he made it out of the hood look at him now his mansion wasting is wasting like, his money seems like it's i mean that that mansion is not his house that's no. a tv set oh it has to you be. know and so like where does he actually live i mean no, is he, he wealthy he squandered his fortune i have to yeah. imagine yeah he, he like yeah, he crashed and burned, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's been 20 years since he was making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to be blowing, like, not working. Blowing cash. You know, yeah. what is, what do you, That it's crazy the entertainment life of just, like, you're hot for a fucking minute, 
yeah. then after that, do you go back to just you, where do you work? What are your talents? Like, do you, you just know gotta, how to do anything? You just gotta stay relevant, man. That's that's the mark of true artists. Or like, you move into the, some other type of thing where you're like, oh, I understand the film industry, and now I'm yeah. gonna like produce. That seems like Seth Rogen's doing at this point. He's yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to be in the movies anymore. He seems like, at least you were saying, right, that he like seems like he's gotten this more of like a producer role at this point. Seth Rogen? Yeah, someone was, was I saying gave me that, that impression about that it him? was like, oh, like he hasn't been in his own movies lately, but he's like, kind of like this uh like franchise he's just so he's just so famous and well connected at this point just like james franco like james franco never has to do anything that he doesn't want to do ever again that's why he's just doing like weird indie movies and like plays because like he's just doing what he likes to do like (laughs) because i have no idea what he's up to what are his he's writing plays he he has like a he has like three master's degrees in english from Yale and Harvard and like UTA or something. Huh. He went to like these top notch. I knew he was going to college. Yeah, um, but I didn't really pay that much. He was attention going. He, to was he was in was grad doing. school when we were in Hampshire. Huh. And he was in, he was dual enrolled at Yale and UTA. I think. What's UTA? Uh, Austin, Texas University oh, of Texas at Austin. Yeah, or maybe huh. it was somewhere in Texas. I don't know if it was UTA. Don't huh. quote me on that, but. He was dual enrolled in English master's degrees, and I just remember being so jealous, being like, man, it must be awesome to have made it like before you're 30, basically, yeah. and just be like, ah, I just, I want to like read William Faulkner, you know? Yeah. And then it's just well, like, I mean, it's crazy. you never have to worry about how much it costs. He was probably paying full tuition. Oh, you know? he'd have to be. He'd yeah. have to be. Yeah. No, he's a millionaire. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's crazy to think that he got, I mean, he Seth Rogen was like 15 when Freaks and Geeks came out. Yeah. Have you seen that, Freaks and Geeks? Mm-hmm. I just started watching a little bit of it, and it's crazy how cinematic that TV it's, show is. It's fantastic. It looks it was really, so good. It's really ahead of its time in yeah. that way, yeah. I remember watching it. Um, I remember my mom introduced me to that show because it was like, it, it, was, it was such a cool show and such a brilliant show in that it appealed to it appealed to both like child and parent because for me watching it being like 10, like anticipating uh, middle school, it was like I could identify with the little, with the boys, the three boys, yeah, the geeks, mm-hmm. but then the freaks were like your parents. And I remember my mom really identified with huh. uh, the, the teenage gang of like these like eighties teenagers. You yeah. Know? So it was a perfect show for that generational, uh, sort of time period that we were in it's funny um, that your mom identified with just the old kids yeah and like instead of the parents in some yeah, sort of yeah, way right, you know right, it's right. like i was like wait your mom identified well, no, like the parents are because my mom grew up in that decade and the parents oh, in that right. show so she's watching yeah. it from her own youth and she had already experienced that kind yeah, of like yeah, older yeah. experience where you hadn't quite got there she yet. had this she yeah. and, and and you know that show is so brilliant it would actually be I would love to take a look at a clip of it um, if you want to cue it up. But that show is so brilliant in the sort of like way it references things, um, because like my mom would have like like actual like transporting like moments with that show. Like there's one part that I remember so distinctly where they come into school and they're all sad because John Bonham died and like Led Zeppelin is over basically 
And, uh, and my mom was like, whoa, I remember when that happened. And it was the same thing. I was in high school and everyone came in and was like, yo, John Bonham died. And it was like, it was this like super specific thing that only someone who went to high school in the 80s like would know. And I feel like Judd Apatow is pulling from his own experience a lot. Oh man, you want to hear something way messed up? <laughs> you know that Molly Hatchet shirt I was wearing the other day? <laughs> Executioner guy holding that bloody axe. Did you ever hang out like under the, the staircase or anything like this? That's my shirt. Or like, did you hide at high <laughs> school? Yes. I never really hid in high school, no. I wanted to be hidden all the time. I lived a very public life in high school. I was like in the marching band, and like, but when we would play games, we would always have the third quarter off. So it was just like, you'd go under the bleachers and. You know, people would, like, smoke or, like, make out, you know, like... I spent as little amount of time as I could at high school. Huh. Yeah. I thought that was going to be something different. I thought that was going to be senior talking about. But no. Yeah. It's cool if you can't find it, but, man, that was a great show. Yeah. And, yeah, it was totally, it was totally perfectly formulated because I would watch it and totally connect with the little kid. And then I watched it again as an adult and totally connected with the teenagers. But also somewhat with the other adults in the... I actually connected more, I think, the most recent time I watched it with the with the guidance counselor. Mm. You should you look up the guidance counselor. Um, just freaks and geeks. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the drunk driving seminar. He really shines in that place. But he's like the hippie guidance counselor who like is trying to figure out all these all the uh freaky kids problems <laughs> and they're like so rude to him <laughs> and he's so unfazed because he's just like the most positive like frustratingly positive person ever but he gets to the end of his rope like really easily and confused yes and you don't think anyone understands <laughs> well i do lots of people do even mr alice cooper Jason Siegel's like hooked yeah. immediately. Lines fall from the ups and downs. I'm in the middle without any plans. I'm a boy or girl, and I'm a man or woman. <laughs> Come on, Nick, fill in those drums there, will ya? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Is this making any sense at all? I think it is. Whoa. Oh, wow. he's awesome. Yeah. That's how I feel every day at work. <laughs> really? <laughs> Do you try that hard? No, I really don't. Yeah, I don't try that hard either. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to be that person. Yeah, no. Who's just I, like... Yeah. Totally on. I'm. I mean, I'm just so real with the kids, and I think that's also fine. Yeah. I've never been able to be that guy. I really tried, like when I first started, but it's just like, I don't take any comfort in wearing that mask. Hmm. You know. Yeah. I. I don't. I don't like wearing a mask. Yeah. So like, as soon as I realize I'm wearing a mask, I feel really fraudulent. But that's how. That's how some people in human services like get their job done. Yeah. Like they very much. Like I had someone tell that's me. That's why I don't like human services. I yeah. mean, like. 
Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I wear, I wear, I put on a character uh, when I'm selling mm. um, or I embody a spirit, mm. but I don't feel like I'm wearing a, a, a mask that is not me. Yeah. Um, and so, but when I, if I were to try to do that guy. Yeah. I mean, a I don't play guitar, and so I can't imagine myself playing <laughs> well, no, guitar. No, you're not. We're not talking about you know? literally doing that guy, but just like that level of positivity that is like so above and beyond the context. Yeah. You know, it's just like really hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've had moments with students where I'm like really straightforward. Yeah. Um, you know, I've like had students be like really like. Like there's this one student that I really liked, uh, who was like really like a deep thinker. Mm. Um, but also like really like didn't like the academic version of school and in a way that I like totally got. Mm. It was just like, Yeah, no, I know. High school sucks. Like yeah. this sucks. Um and what you want to do is like kind of like make creative things, but you're not really sure how to go about it. Right. Um and she came in like late in the year, like really kind of scared about like graduating high school and being like, I don't know what I'm fucking doing. You know, because like everyone who like is like on the college track and where school is like the thing to do, and it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to keep doing more school, and that sounds great. Yeah. But she had this thing of just like, I hated this. I don't yeah. want to keep doing this. Right. Like, um, and you know, we got into kind of like really kind of we got into some like really heady conversation about like fear, just yeah. just like really vague fear, which was like really kind of fun for me because I was thinking about a lot of similar things at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and we kind of got, it was like, it was a conversation rather than like, a then like, like, a, a, like yeah. imparting wisdom. Yeah. But I was also like, here's the things I've figured out. I think. Yeah. What's crazy is that like with certain populations, like I, I struggle all the time with this idea of like, what is appropriate to discuss? Because a lot of times these kids really just want to talk about stuff that isn't like that is shocking to hear in school you know and i can't say any particulars but like stuff that is really really like like you wouldn't even imagine seeing or in interacting with situations oh like people these, go through horrible you know? horrible things that i've never experienced and i'm terrified of yeah. how awful the world can be yeah in a lot of ways i but mean I, I, I always struggle to find that line where it's like, okay, well, you know, and this is just a hypothetical. This isn't anything specific, but it's just like, okay, like, so your mom is like a prostitute and you're like, you know, like no one is like taking you to the doctor or like helping you like yeah, in any it's way. It's hard to laugh and at it, that. That's like so fucking sad well, to me. Yeah, and it's, but it's also just like, you know, and again, this is totally hypothetical, but it's like that's the type of shit that you see. Yeah. in children and then they come in and that's their world like they want to unload some of that to like friends and if you're like in this teacher capacity or like adjustment counselor capacity and you're like oh no i'm your friend and then they start talking about shit that's like inappropriate mm -hmm. by the sort of standards of the institution it always just like catches you like you're stuck in the mud well, it's weird like, because what do i do yeah like this kid's talking about selling drugs right, right. Now. like what do i am i now supposed to call the police like what the fuck yeah and it's i don't know what the rules are for that but it's just like it's a weird but i don't think that anyone does yeah. and that's my that's my sort of suspicion is just like 
whenever things get too real, you see teachers kind of like shrivel up a little bit. Well, and, and this goes back to sort of the mask conversation of like, as once we are sort of uh, acting under the authority of an, of an institution, we begin to wear a little bit of that in our identity, mm-hmm. you know, like... Well, you're representing more than just yourself. Exactly. And with interacting with children, though, it's another thing because you have a responsibility to, like, on what level are they, like, under your protection? Yeah. You know, or your your, your responsibility, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, it's not just an institutional uh, responsibility, but it's a, like, a, a responsibility for, like, young people or, like, um, I mean, especially at a school, like, your your job is to keep kids safe, too. You know, and uh, I mean, your uh, your job specifically at least seems like it's this intermediary between being a friend and being a teacher. Like the teachers kind of, and in, in some way, I see my job uh, to be in a similar zone of like, you know, like I'm not a teacher. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not giving you a grade. Um, you're so you you're don't, support staff. Right. So yeah. you don't need like I don't need to have the same sort of like authority presence of like leading a classroom yeah. because I'm only here if you want me essentially. Mm-hmm. I don't need to make you do anything that you don't want to do. I'm here if you want me. Um and so in that way I feel like I have a much more casual relationship. I try um, I try to be that. It's um because I I like that a lot better. Um my job is confounded often by this weird expectation of like behavior management which is of course very important and I've done what I can with the students I work with, but I also just feel like it's not really my place because it's conflicting with that idea of like, you're here to be a supportive like friend basically. And, uh, but also like, you know, if I have a student who like, just like wants to go for a, we see this all the time Mm -hmm. as a student just wants to like go for a walk or like talk with his friends or like, you know, high school students always do that. They're always mm-hmm. dipping out of class to hang out, blah, blah, blah. But these kids who are assigned one-to-ones for academic reasons, they don't get to enjoy it. They don't get that privilege that every other student in the school gets of being able to just kind of, like, have space. Hmm. They get this dopey-ass adult following them around. So you just follow your guy around all day uh pretty much i mean but i give him a lot of free reign because i just see that as fundamentally conflicting with what i'm there to be yeah you know and 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 like there's a lot of older people with my job are like they they follow the student and like in in sort of this paternalistic way of just like oh tell me where you're going blah 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 and like my thing with my kids is like look like which is the same expectation for everyone every ap kid or like honor student that is doing the same shit like going to the bathroom for too long and like yeah talking to people goofing off like you know just because they don't have people watching them you know but oh i would have hated it i would have yeah. hated to have someone, but when, some but guy when, follow me around high school all day yeah but that's what's funny is like because behavioral management is part of it it's like we're I don't know if we're we're definitely expected and like I've had teachers like with my guy if he's like oh yeah I'm just gonna I'm gonna go do this I'm just I never follow him yeah I always say well just let me know what you're gonna do 
slash like make sure you get to class on time like even if you're going to come in for a minute and then take a lap like or take or go see uh the counselor for you know uh-huh. like uh, at least show up yeah and like articulate why you need to leave yeah you know that's kind of my baseline that's and a good strategy like, though yeah. i like that a lot and i think that that's like i mean I that's can, what you're there for i would never react well to like well you need to go to class and it's right. just like well <laughs> if i don't want to be there and i'm just forcing right. myself to be there am i learning no right. i'm a distraction to other people and like yeah. in some level you know, it's just like who's the best measure or the best gauge of uh, being able to tell you that something is to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, on one level, it is you. But on another level, you're also an idiot. You yeah. know, regardless of your age, other people can influence like what you should do. And so like if you as a student decide like literally every day, like I'm not going to go to class because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, on some level yeah like that's just not a good idea so the way that we work with that which i think is fucking brilliant in is some kid would say because and this is the number one rule that is so interesting from a psychology perspective is if you ask what if you ask why the kid will tell you the kid will a hundred percent of the time just tell you what's up Mm -hmm. and then like you can work with that you know and it's they they like they say because the first thing they say is fuck class i'm not going to class Mm -hmm. and then you go why not oh because it's you know and they tell you immediately it's it's too crowded you know there's too many people or like you know the teacher talks too fast or like i don't understand the directions blah 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 and then you can say okay well you know you have to show up to get the attendance or whatever uh but, you know, if we went and we had, that's where the services begin. Oh, you're having trouble following directions? Well, if I had the teacher uh, email me a PowerPoint that you could view on your own, would that work better? And they go, yeah, it probably work, right? Hmm. So, like, it's always, it's always yeah. dialectical. And that's what's so, uh, that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. And I think that dialectical approach extends to behavior yeah. as well. Because it's like, you know, I just, I, I let my, my kids just do whatever, but I hold them accountable to tasks mm-hmm. because that's the important thing. Yeah. If you're there to uh, provide support for academics, it's like, okay, well, these are the things you have to do, right? Like if we can establish, first of all, that you care enough about school to do somewhat well, like you want to graduate, then like, okay, this is what you need to do. Like you have to make those very concrete connections of like, all right, well, you know, if you care even a little bit about this, then you can do this, like by writing this paper, that is part of your plan to graduate high school, mm-hmm. you know? And if you illustrate that connection enough and just emphasize, look, it doesn't have to be hard, right? Then they're going to do it. <laughs> it's like, it's always dialectical. Mm. It's never just this, you know, and, and the, you know, the same with behavior. It's just like, okay, well, be accountable to your shit. And yeah, I don't care if you take a walk for 10 minutes. I'm not going to look for you. I'm not going to follow you. Mm-hmm. But you know where to find me when you're ready to do this. Yeah. You know, you have to identify your own need or want to do it. 
um yeah i mean it's interesting the the classroom is is such a bizarre space mm. um i mean but it's it, in some ways it's like a microcosm for like like the pressure cooker of a lot of things yeah you know and it's just yeah. like it's so it's so fucking some people really thrive in that space you know yeah and well, some people really don't like it here's the interesting thing is is like this is exactly what i wrote about for my div three basically was like the structure of schools, the structure of learning, and how, you know, uh, we're sort of keeping people's imaginations trapped. Um, and and what's funny is when you get into the sort of literature that is geared towards that perspective, there's often this very um, hyperbolic rhetoric uh, that's like saying like, Oh, like, you know, these mass schooling is this mechanistic, totalitarian, like, one-size-fits-all thing. It's like, no. I think, like, it's not like that because so much magic is happening in classrooms every day for millions of people. I think it's the, it's maybe the only way. Here's where the flaw is, maybe, or at least the inability of, this like traditional idea of public school n not coping well with like the new technological social paradigm is that like we've only ever really experienced one way of doing this hmm. like in the fucking 16 1700s we were just like oh yeah schoolhouse gonna look like this mm -hmm. done and we haven't even looked at that idea <laughs> again you know it's like yeah. you have one version of an idea in 1750 yeah and then you know th 300 years later it's just like yeah that idea is still fine yeah desk, desks and a chalkboard yeah desks and a chalkboard a uh, lady in a dress reading you a book and, yeah you know punishing you <laughs> hitting you <laughs> yeah. you know psychologically punishing you if you don't right you know well the and, thing, and that's think about how hard yeah. that was teaching five different like 10 different kids of different grades yeah at least we have them separated by age now yeah like which is a huge step forward <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know for well, a yeah, teacher that... to be able to focus on one lesson plan oh, for the definitely, day definitely definitely you know well that's what's so interesting is that it's just like it's it's the most perfect system we've come up with yet yeah and what's and and if i were to update my div three you know and try to publish it somewhere i would add uh, this experience I've had working in special education is that like special education is becoming the new, n Whoa, you blew a fuse. Oh, this light bulb just went out. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but special education is becoming the new normal, huh. all special education. Like everyone has, and that's hyperbolic of course, but like most kids have IEPs or are on some kind of medication like everyone has ADHD. Well, private school is special education too. I mean, right, like, of course. You know, it's like I was just trying to compare it to the world I'm coming from, and I'm like, oh, uh, the world of private school is like what you're describing for everyone. Yeah, you know, because there's only 400 students. Yeah, and classes could be three kids. Yeah, for well, high school. And this is yeah it's crazy. And this is what I'm. But that that's exactly what I'm saying is that we had this this model that we've been doing things by since the 1600s, since the 1620s, basically, 
of the schoolhouse and the teacher and the desks and the board and the and the lectures and whatever we have that thing that we're just using as a template but in the midst of that there's this whole new thing of just like well everyone gets you know unique treatment everyone gets these accommodations blah 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 so we're tr making it more flexible but the institution itself hasn't changed we're being flexible with how we process people through that institution but that is also necessitating totally different expectations of curriculum totally different um like classroom management styles totally different just philosophies hmm. on and you see it i mean you see it changing before your very eyes you see people who have been in the profession slightly longer slightly older than us maybe in their 50s or six well that's more than slightly but like their 50s or something and they're just not on board with it and there's a there's, not on board with the specialization of education yeah they're just like you know they're lost because they come from a time before that. And and most of them are into it. Most of them are like progressive and cool about it. But yeah. like there's there's plenty of I remember them in my high school. I mean, that was the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher, like objectively is not just that they were some sort of role model to you, but that they also just like got it, you know, mm -hmm. in a way that they had this flexibility that they were responsive to your experience and i find that, that a lot of older t the older you get the less able you are to do that and is I be think, open to new experience you're saying maybe like, yeah maybe generally but i mean in the profession of teaching i think you you know once you start losing touch with the youth in some sense it becomes harder yeah to be and and that just goes for everything because you know if if you know we're 26 27 um and you know when we are in a high school classroom we can sort of still see it as they are probably seeing it or at least presume like because we have younger sort of eyes and perspectives you know but imagine but we were just talking yesterday how different it is to be 18 now oh yeah and like and just imagine how we'll be talking when we're 60 years old about like what the fuck are these kids even doing right and uh you know should we even be allowed to be mentors at that state I look mean, at this look at this style of education and this is like a oh, master oh is this is this like old school like oh my god this is caltech in the 50s oh my god oh professor oh Oh, look at him. oh my God! It's like a in fucking TV show. In the beginning of the history of experimental observation or any other kind of observation on scientific things, it's but we still do this. Yeah, this was really Noam Chomsky. Yeah, when we saw him, you know, that suggests reasonable explanations. But it's funny things. that this is like a college lecture, right? I mean, it's it, this 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 is a completely different style of teaching than what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Because this is teaching to huge audiences, and the ability to teach to huge audiences now, mm. I think you don't need to project as much as you used to because you can talk one on one mm. to YouTube, and you have a massive audience. Like right now, we have a like if I was to try to talk to 
50 people, because say 50 people listen to the podcast. Yeah. If I was to talk to 50 people, I would talk very differently than I'm talking as if I'm talking to you without huge levels of practice Yeah. and huge levels of, uh, of learning of just like, oh, stay calm when talking to 50 people. But right now, I could be talking to 5 million people. And as long as I don't think about that, I'm talking just to you. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I always heard rumors about like entry-level courses at UMass where it's like this, where it's like a huge auditorium with like 800 people. And I don't know if that's true. I think it's just like, it almost feels fanciful to me. It almost feels like people they're, they're almost trying, bragging in some yeah, sort of they're way. Tra- they're almost bragging about how big UMass is. They're, it's like a brag complain. You sort know of, yeah, weird, like, brag complain. Yeah, that's like, exactly it. Uh, like, I had man, the worst day. I had the like, worst day. <laughs> I go to a school that has a population bigger than some cities. Yeah. And like, man, what a drag. But it's like, yeah, so I don't know if that's even true. Yeah. But like supposedly it's, it's, compl- it's true in some level supposedly I mean. there's these classes where there's 400 kids and the professor records everything ahead of time and you just sit and watch tv in a huge auditorium and really like, yeah but I, I can't imagine that i mean i was it's, it sounds if possible. anyone if anyone goes to umass please email the show and tell me because i would love to edit uh bleh, excuse me audit one of those courses and see like is that really how things are going because it's it's exactly like this yeah it's this like it's this performance this guy is performing is that Feynman it is Feynman oh wow yeah young Feynman yeah well I mean at least he's a good performer you know <laughs> oh yeah Feynman's like the best at what he's doing I mean imagine a, the people who suck at this type of lecture oh my god are so bad they're so bad like and that's the problem with most high school teachers i found is Mm. that it asks you to do this thing and this is not easy no this is super super hard yeah yeah yeah. and to do this well i mean my history teacher is the was the worst example of this that i'd ever seen in which he just sat on a stool and read from a textbook and it's like dude what this is a nightmare this is so boring (laughs) This is an AP class, and you suck at this so bad. <laughs> wow, that like, sucks. You're yeah. not doing a you job. Have no originality. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, maybe he was depressed, and maybe he was good at that at one point, because like supposedly he, I I feel like I've said this story enough times that I can't even remember if it's true or not, but that he hit a kid, or sorry, he hit <laughs> a, he he hit a parent. Whoa. Uh, he got in a fight with a parent at a football game because he was a football coach, and oh this my God. this parent was oh, giving him like shit. A, he was a disgraced football coach. He was a disgraced football oh, coach. Yeah, you told me about this. And guy. he was the worst AP history teacher the school had, and he would take he was the, teaching AP AP history. God damn it! And it was like, what, dude? You you're like this isn't a class. I would sit on the far left side on top of my desk and just like lean over because the way in which the desk was is that to see him, I would have to twist and sit like this because there was a bar to oh the, connecting the seat to the desk. Oh so I'd shit. sit up on top of it instead <laughs> and sit like this in class and just like stare over at him. And at the, uh, like midway through the year, he disappeared. We had like a long-term sub. <laughs> now that I'm remembering it, we had a long-term sub and she he just didn't show up one day. <laughs> and she hated that I sat up there. And I'm like, look, there's no other way to sit in this yeah, goddamn chair. Wow. And the guy who was here before you didn't give a fuck. And you're not a real teacher. So I'm not listening to you over him. 
because he gave us a he gave us an assignment on give me the history report on anything <laughs> and didn't really give us any uh uh ideas for what that really meant so she got there and was like uh so we need some like ground rules for like what this report's gonna be and we're like yeah no he didn't say that <laughs> and so the whole thing was just a battle all, you guys are pricks uh but like it was one of those things where it's just like look we already took the it was that that period after taking the history the the ap <laughs> test and before school had ended so there's like three weeks of just like we're not we're not doing work we're seniors <laughs> And the AP history test is already done. And you're a new teacher. Fuck <laughs> off. We're not doing work. What a nightmare. Yeah. That's, he just reminded me of the story of uh, when when my friend, uh, well, now my friend, but then my teacher, Keith Woodman, came into Ludlow. We had, uh, I remember, oh, God, that was so funny his his entrance into his first year teaching must have just been the silliest thing ever so we had uh it was 11th grade english and we were supposed to be with this teacher who had been there forever uh and then like abruptly miss larue right and everyone was so excited to have miss larue because she was so cool blah blah blah. she had a reputation um and then over that summer she just like spontaneously quit like she put in for two weeks like in july like and was just like yeah i'm out oh and, so she left yeah during like, the summer yeah like no one saw it coming huh. um and they couldn't hire a new teacher in time so we started the year 11th grade english with a substitute oh, wow. who was like who was like this meek old woman who wore cardigan or not cardigans uh fucking turtlenecks she wore turtlenecks every day and she just english had... teacher no she was she was just a sub she was just an old lady oh. no teaching experience yeah. she was like an old parent you know uh-huh. and uh i think like her granddaughter had gone to the high school or something uh-huh. and uh you know but she was like this like you know paper papery little lady like so small and diminutive with like a turtleneck and they started her on day one with this class of rowdy ass 11th graders and we fucking ate her alive dude those teachers get destroyed oh my god day one what a nightmare yeah. that poor woman i think about her all the time and it was like five it was like a full two weeks of her just coming in uh-huh. every day we're not doing shit <laughs> like coming it's in with so with an still. assignment trying to start the year dude uh-huh. coming in with assignments we're like fuck you she had, i mean there's one you thing know. to be a sub and it's just like the day of like oh we have a sub we're not doing anything sweet right and you're just like okay we're like that's, that's how fine. the year started and to but to have that be the whole year yeah and you're just like oh no i don't know how to lead a class i remember her at one point being just like like actually like crying yeah <laughs> like i'm sure and then and then they replaced her they hired this other like older lady from belchertown and she was just not like cutting it like it you, was like like day one she came in she was like all right guys don't worry i'm a real teacher I've been a teacher in Belchertown for 20 years. Uh-huh. We're putting this thing back on the rails. We're getting it going. And, <laughs> and we were like, we'll and, see. And, yeah, we'll see. about." We took it as a challenge. We were like, we'll see about that, you old bitch. And, then, and she like tried so hard. But she was a shit English teacher. Yeah. Like she didn't 
introduce one interesting thing, she immediately just started handing out like grammar worksheets. Oh god. Just like edit the sentences like third grade grammar workbook and we were like fuck you like this is junior year english like we want to read yeah. some like edgy ass books like that's what junior year english is about you read fucking 1984 or something and you're like whoa fuck the government i figured if and it was junior or senior but that was like the year you read catch in the rye and i had a similarly weak teacher <laughs> really? who said that she broke her arm putting a sweater on <laughs> she was like made of glass <laughs> She was like, like her spirit animal was like a bird with hollow bones. <laughs> and she had like a beak and like long, like feathery hair. And, uh, a bird with hollow bones. and she, uh, like bird, gave us, us oh, we read. made of glass. <laughs> yeah. Well, we read like Catch the Glassbird. <laughs> her English teacher. Mrs. Brittlebones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss Brittleneck. Yeah. <laughs> Old Dr. Glassbird. <laughs> she was a frail woman. We loved her <laughs> very that, much. That year was filled with like either like really liking books or really hating books. Oh, it was when we read Scarlet Letter, which I had no interest in. No. I like couldn't get the story. I really care. love Nathaniel Hawthorne uh, in we, high school. Yeah. I don't, I don't like him anymore, but I in high school... I was so into like the dark romantics and like transcendentalism and shit. But now it's like it's really hard to get past the archaic language yeah. for me. But in high school for some reason I was cool with it. I don't know. I, I thought it was kinda cool that they spoke in this weird, eloquent way. Yeah. But uh Yeah, I uh I liked I liked catching the rye and I really got into it and like I read it really uh thoroughly. And she and I clicked for just that book. And the rest of the year, it was just like, no, I, I you know, when you just like, you yeah. get asked like, so what do you think of the book? You're like, I, I, I didn't. I hated Catcher in the Rye. I oh. really, I really thought it was, I really thought it was stupid. <laughs> oh. What did you like about it? Uh, I identified so with um, his mythanthropy. Um I didn't see it just felt like a book where nothing happened. I felt like I was reading it just to finish it. Uh, it's a book of were... adventure. It's a book of like leaving home and going out to the city and finding the dark side of the world and kind of learning that it's not as safe mm. as it's always been. Um, it's a book of like kind of growing up in this way of like kind of going and seeing and testing your limits and seeing like how Some... far you can go without falling off the edge. Huh? Yeah. I sort of see that. I don't know. It just seemed like a rich kid whining. I didn't think he he was from prep school, but that never clicked to me as being a thing in Manhattan. Though I don't know when I when I didn't I know Manhattan, it, I was, and so I, I actually I pictured it as a like a rural place. Really? Because isn't That's he in a so rural different. place, and then he goes to the city? Well, the prep school is obviously probably up in the Catskills. Yeah, there, but he yeah. takes a train to Manhattan. Yeah, and then he so then I'm just like, okay, so he's in like downtown. He's in a city. Like I. It it like echoed like what I liked doing as a teenager, which was like yeah. going as far away from home it's as so, I felt it's comfortable. It's so funny, like that's that's like the stereotypical teenager book, and I identified with it zero percent. Huh. I I was just like, I'm so bored by this. Yeah. I don't understand. Well, you didn't sound like you were much of a punk. You sounded I, like you were like a band kid. Yeah, I mean, I was I was enough of a punk though, like to appreciate what that was, but I just didn't see any anything punk about him. I mean. I maybe I I think a big part of that was like 
his privilege was very obvious to me. Huh. And it just made him like, I was like, oh, he doesn't have real problems. He's a rich kid. Uh-huh. Like, what's his problem? Is that he's like 15 and lonely? Like, I was 15 and lonely once. Like, fuck you. When like, did you read it? Like, who cares? I don't know. I read it when I was like 18. Oh, you read it way too late. You have to read it when you're like 15. You have to read Yeah, well, I yeah, don't know. <laughs> you read it way too late. You got to read it between like 14 and 16. <sighs> yeah, but 17. Even, even so. Yeah, but that's not a good defense of a sure work it of is. literature. Sure it is. Like, there's, like, reading A Clockwork Orange wouldn't be as fun as it was when I was 17. I mean, You don't like, think so? I think it would still be but a cool. lot of adults read clock, read Clockwork Orange and I think so, but minds. I mean, Catching the Rye is specific in that way. But like Harry Potter, for example, mm-hmm. blows your fucking brains out when you're 11. But like, oh yeah, well, you read I, it again yeah. and like. But Harry Potter isn't like literature. But you we're know? just talking about books. Like, who cares what's literature versus not literature? Literature. Like, like I don't want to get into a dumb conversation <laughs> about like what is literature. But like, <laughs> it's not a dumb conversation. I don't care. People I just devote their I just lives. Don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to talk about. <laughs> oh, it. he's drawing a hard line yeah. on literature. Um, but <laughs> because the point of it is just saying that like, you know, that different books like work for different people at different times. Like, you go back and reread your favorite book, and it's not going to do the same thing. You know, like well, it'll it do different things for you at different times in your life. That's true. And Catching the Rye essentially has like an expiration date. Personally, I think um, yeah. I've like I haven't tried to reread it, but I, but you would identify with the elders and look at it as this story of a child rather than a story of me. Hmm. And that changes everything. You oh, know? yeah. Well, I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, it, there's. There was something about it, man. I just couldn't. Sure, I think it was. I just couldn't I, feel. I think part of it was that you you knew the location well enough that it was like literally you you didn't have to you weren't imagining a fantasy yeah. world. I was imagining a fantasy world That's in New York. I don't know what the yeah. fuck that is. I'd never heard of it before. I mean, I'd heard of it obviously. Yeah, I'd yeah. never been there. Um, so I was I was just kind of picturing it was all fant- fantastical. You knew that he was in a prep school, which like was not a thing in my head. I didn't know what prep schools were. Hmm. Prep schools is much more prevalent in the Northeast. Yeah, than, you were than saying in the that. West. That is interesting. Yeah, um, it is funny. Like, yeah, and three, you were older. You know, I think those three factors completely changed how your experience well, was. You know, compared and to the mine. thing, the thing with like New England writers, like J.D. Salinger, and you know, even Robert Frost to some extent, is like they're so seeped in this like world of academia. Yeah. Like they're because of that legacy of you know all the old school like stuff like the big universities and stuff are in new england that's just the way the country developed right like it's the oldest place in the country um and it has a longer tradition of this like insulated uh artistic academic elitism and it's really hard to find new england writers who aren't steeped in that Mm -hmm. and especially new york writers too are doing their own like new york city thing yeah which is equally obnoxious you know like, uh, <laughs> I would love to run numbers on how many, like, Pulitzer fiction winners write about fucking New York. Like, no one gives a shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. there's so many stories about New York. And, like, if a book in 2018 comes out about fucking New York City, <laughs> I'm just, like, never going to read that. Yeah. I don't fucking care well, the thing is it just has a huge <laughs> built-in audience oh you know? my god look out like oh yeah it, it has the the gil Faisans and the fucking 
Well, just uh, anyone who lives in New York is just going to identify tuna with people it. like, oh, yeah, that's that's New York. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those people are the worst. The, yeah. I mean, those, oh, yeah. The big apple. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what, what they're it's lamp- like Woody Allen's thing. Too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what they're lampooning with those characters right. is just like, oh, we've been here forever. Yeah. And like we know the real New York, yeah, the real New York that yeah. died in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dangerous New York. I'm before, curious before Giuliani fucked it all up. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, uh, I'm curious how if my uncle Chris would get into those guys, mm. um, or if he knows about them. He must, you know, because he's got like an outsider's perspective, but he's lived in New York so long that he's yeah. like a New Yorker. Uh, that I'm sure, like, I don't know. I think he'd find it funny. I'm yeah, I'm sure he would. But yeah, anyway. Um, we've been talking about school a lot and I, I like that cause that's one of my favorite things to talk about. Oh, but I never finished my story about, um, I never finished my story about, uh, about Woodman and, and then the going. series of subs, the series uh, of what the series of subs. Oh, so, so after, after we destroyed the, <laughs> After we defeated, yeah, <laughs> number first two, sub. the second. Enemy. Well, then the second one came in, and within two weeks she was gone. Yeah, she put. Do you know? What, do you know? What broke her back. Her, she put her two weeks in on like day three. Uh huh. I mean, yeah, who can stop an avalanche? Oh, exactly. You know, we were just like we were so bad. Yeah. We were such bad kids, uh-huh. and she and she was just like, "Yeah, this is impossible. This uh-huh. is like a bad situation." But like, I said, what did she, you do? What was your role? Oh God, I was just I was just defiant. You know, I had this funny thing in uh, in high school where I would just kind of like sit with my arms crossed, be like, "Impress me," because I was. Hard. Was that really the look on your face? Sort like, of. I mean, so I mean, you're such a prick. Whenever I felt that teachers were beneath me. <laughs> as a 15 year old so arrogant well no i was just bored by some people you know it's like no but most teachers are pretty bad they're they're bad boring people yeah as you get older in life you realize you're like yeah they did suck yeah and now i'm their peer and it's like no they're boring people yeah yeah yeah. most of them are so boring it's just like yeah definitely but the ones who are good are great yeah and it's like yeah i mean i was i was lucky man i i could count i'd need both hands to count the number of cool teachers i had i think i think ludlow was just stacked that so you had over three that decade yeah i had i had many (laughs) and uh a big supporting but also mixed in with that were teachers who just didn't give a fuck and like teachers who were pretty bad yeah and teachers that were biased and mean Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's crazy there was like it's crazy that you could get that job and then 10 years later get really burnt out and then become an, a monster yeah. of a teacher. Yeah. You could have been a good teacher when you were 28 and now you're 45 yeah. and you're just like, I still have to do this job every day and these I don't identify with these kids anymore and I just... I'm so point, frustrated by them because my husband is cheating on me yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, and my kids are assholes uh, and I just don't have the attention span to be a good teacher anymore. And I'm just barely scraping by and yeah. I know I'm doing a bad job and I hate myself because of it, but I actually externalize that anger onto the class itself. Jesus. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, these yeah, are man. the people who are teaching you, 
you know it's like they're real people with real lives and they're also probably not that great yeah like they're probably mediocre at best yeah yeah it's like it's crazy i think that like i think we we have sort of defined i had i had another thing i wanted to say but then you led me here is that i think we sort of defined our professions in the wrong way you know like the way that university education is dealt with like many professors are terrible teachers Mm -hmm. and they're just doing it because they're excellent in some other way in their field and this is the most stable and their field is bullshit like liberal arts field so the only thing they can do is teach that field you know so that's why they're there but it's like you know they don't give a fuck about their students many of them and 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 then the opposite happens for like primary and secondary education where we have this whole sort of profession surrounding it that is very like doctrinal you know and it's like it's less about sort of uh the pursuit of being like an academic and a humanist than it is about like oh yeah you just do these requirements and you get this license and then you do this and that and like you know uh, which it's almost know. a craft or like a trade yeah like we teach teachers we we teach t- treat we treat teachers like almost like uh tradesmen yeah you know of just well, like well it is because it's it it's i mean acting. i think it's, a lot of them have professional acting. felt that it's so constrained at this point mm-hmm. in which you essentially are just teaching the standards for yeah. the standards test yeah, yeah yeah and it's like okay i i have no room to play but i think that's I think you that's inaccurate. A, you still have a lot. But of I think I think that's a frustrated complaint of frustrated teachers. You know. Yeah, I mean, I would say, see, I I have so, I don't really fall in either camp on these issues because there's people who are, oh, we were talking about burnt out teachers before keeping their jobs and tenure, like that's an argument that comes up all the time amongst interest groups who are trying to bust up like teachers unions mm-hmm. and like get rid of tenure like tenure is you know a teacher will burn out but they'll still be in the schools for 10 years and that's like that's like a real complaint right but it's like give them what's your job after teacher then like g- if you give me a good answer to that of like okay after 45 when you burn out of being a teacher you can go what's do your else? other career yeah. what's your what's your plan b and it's just like if you staked your career on being a teacher, mm. you, you kind. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. do you have to be? I mean, I mean, in some way, it's like it's it. That's the conundrum I find myself is is that I want people to be taken care of, and be able to survive and have jobs and money and food and shelter. But at the and same on the time, other hand, if they're not doing a good job, I want them to be not doing that. Yeah, but that's I don't the want them to lose is- their livelihood. Well, but this, I do want them to stop doing what they were doing to make that livelihood. Right. And this is what was going on, what I was sort of bringing up about, um, about we've defined our professions wrong in some sense, is that, like, we should be, you know, and it, it, it's funny because it's it's like, I don't know. I don't know how we could do this. I don't know if it's, like, a fascist idea. But, like, on some, uh, but there are ways, like, we can filter out the people who actually are like perfect for that position. Like people who are really meant to be teachers in the way that we educate teachers. But the way that we do it now seems to be so formulaic 
and bureaucratic in its nature. And it's like, you can be someone who is a teacher, but like in order to be a good teacher, you have to be more than that. Like, I think you have to have these kind of intuitive talents of like knowing how to communicate with people, knowing how to um, express ideas, um, knowing how to like, knowing how to be relaxed and knowing how to play, you know, mm-hmm. like play is a big one. I think play is a big one for teaching. Yeah. And like, and so many teachers are just like, Oh yeah, great. Like I have a great job. I'm protected basically for life, uh, by the union. And like, all I have to do is sit up here. Like you said on a stool and read the book. I'm like, that's all I'm expected to do. But it's like, I don't know on some, so in some way I'm like pro accountability but I'm also like anti, you know, standardized tests. And there's, it's just such a mixed bag of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. in some way I'm pro tenure in other ways. I'm like, yeah, get the old fucks out of there. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's, it's a young man's game. It really is. Like, you know, I don't see myself doing it forever. I love the idea of it. Or maybe I would do it when I'm older and have children and can, and have more patience, you know, with that. Or you should just be teaching older people because older people can deal with different teaching styles. Right, right, like, right. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe some people are just really good with different age groups. Like, some people oh, are really sure. good with three-year-olds sure. and some people are really good with 10-year-olds. For sure. I think I'm best with teenagers and older. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I'm, I like kind of talking about, like, abstract ideas. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, my dream would be to just be like an AP, like history or English teacher. Like, I would do that for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. Like, because what cooler thing to do than to be engaging with like really smart, driven kids and like unlocking doors for them, mm-hmm. you know? And that, that of course, is, is where you want to end up at the end of a long career but most of your career is going to be in the fucking trenches do you have to work your way up to be the ap teachers i think so Uh, oh there's definitely a hierarchy there it's like you know you have to be uh you have to put your time in well it'd be probably hard if it's just like you're there's you know say a school has three history teachers and it's like all right you're the normal history Mm -hmm. teacher and you're the ap history teacher and you're the new guy and it's just like yeah all right well we if we'll we'll if the other person doesn't want to do AP, then you could do AP. And if the other, you know, they're always going to choose to do AP because it's going to be easier. Why would it be easier? Because the kids like are good at school and, and you can just teach stuff that you want to teach basically. But it's more in depth also. Yeah. You know, so like, like, that's like your dream. Like if you're, if you're the type of people that we are yeah, who are like hope, I guess. philosophers in some way in in some quality uh that's how you want to spend your time mm-hmm. but like you know you don't want to be dealing with the kids who are like oh this is gay yeah. I hate reading right <laughs> it's just like well the the frustrating thing about no community college for, for me was that that was all of those kids left over yeah it's like the 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 sifter of college <laughs> brought all the fun smart kids out with them and it just left behind the the dregs (laughs) and you're like oh my god it's only the idiots now yeah and 35 year old and on up yeah and so the only people i like got were like people who were there as like continuing their career 
who I thought were awesome. Um, but the, the, my peers around me were so frustratingly like, uh, unserious. I was, it was just like, we're not in high school anymore. I like, would, ag- I would agree with managing that. that transition for me, like was a big deal. Um, I went from high school to being like, Oh, I don't have to be here anymore. Yeah. And that was just like, whereas like, I think a lot of the community college kids were just like, Oh, I have to come here. It's still the same bullshit. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, my pa- like, and, and it's just like, no, 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 you're paying for this. So I have to come. Exactly. And it's just like, yeah, I, I'd say I had the same experience in community college. Me and Joe and Alex had mostly like older friends. Like that's where I met Steve. Steve is like yeah. 60 years old. And like I, I identified more with him than many of the people my age at that at in that experience. Yeah. And I really identified with. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I really identified with the older folks at the community college. Yeah, same. Um, I met this lady named Gabriella at uh, HCC and she and I used to just hang out in the dark room. Yeah. She had like a 15 year old daughter and. uh it was like when it, it's funny i try to tell these stories and these she people a like photo kid yeah. yeah we like never got that close um same thing in photo i've befriended this guy medi from morocco um yeah i think i told you about that where i like went to his house and his his wife came home and was like who the fuck is this kid at our house <laughs> and he was like oh this is my friend and he's i'm like 18 i'm like so stoned i'm like hello and i'm just that like playing a- video games and he's like making like french fries covered in like cheese and gravy it was like oh essentially like moroccan poutine wow um and just eat it with your hands and like i was i was like I, I just felt so out of place but i was like right on my edge of comfort level that's awesome it was weird <laughs> yeah that's she was so like cool. uh okay thanks for hi nice to meet you yeah i was like uh you're right this is a big age gap but yeah that is really yeah. funny yeah, I was so happy that we got to hang out with Steve that time yeah. because I had never hung out with him and I always wanted to. <laughs> but uh, it was cool. I, I tell people about that all the time, actually, hearing the Beatles in that room of yeah, his. Yeah, it was amazing. It was like, whoa. It was amazing. That was way better than I expected it to be. Oh, God. Yeah, it made yeah. the Beatles make sense. Yeah. I was... I, I've, like, hated the Beatles my whole life. Not hated, but, like, been indifferent. Uh-huh. I had no feeling about the Beatles. And then when we listened to that, in his like perfect stereo chamber yeah and i was like wow the beatles are really good yeah especially <laughs> like, you compare it to anything else at the time and yeah. you're like whoa yeah okay this is rocking yeah. your brain out compared yeah. to like the like lo-fi everything else like yeah. one microphone one guitar yeah i understood you know i understood that at that point i mean yeah compare well i don't know i mean elvis was pretty big too yeah, but Elvis didn't have that like expansive sound. Mm. Yeah, I mean the Beatles um, introduced this whole. I mean they invented pop. Yeah, like there were so many layers and so much space on the tracks. Yeah, whereas Elvis is still very direct. Elvis is like, you know, like yeah, kind of percussive, simple. It's almost punky still. It is a little punky, sort of like comparative way. Would you say that like the rockabilly sort of thing is sort of emulating like an elvis like ish vibe it's definitely obsessed with the 50s yeah that's Um, yeah 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 yeah, i mean like the rockabilly look and and attitude is yeah it's like that rock and roll is like like a different thing than rock like rock rock essentially comes out of like i'm not even sure what where rock begins but like elvis is like rock begins in the 60s you know rock 
like Clapton is rock. Right. But there's like rock and roll. Rock begins in the sixties. Yeah. Rock begins with Woodstock huh. and 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 basically Jimi Hendrix. Um rock music. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix uh, probably I don't know. Can you think of anyone else who would qualify as the godfather of rock? Probably Jimi Hendrix. Like, was there anyone before Jimi Hendrix who was structuring songs like that? Like the verse, the chorus, the verse, solo, you know, like the, the, that's like, I'm curious because uh, I'm not a music historian, but I feel like, yeah, it must have come out of the 60s. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know Hendrix has this like kind of thing of just like he completely changed how people were interacting with the guitar. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I'm not he like a, a guitar guy. I, I don't know. Put, I, on, put on a Hendrix. Yeah, I'm, I, I let the computer die. And so <sighs> we're like letting it fire back up. Yeah. Um, well, let's definitely put on a Hendrix video. It, it, it's so interesting. Yeah. I, and I love talking about this, too. Um we sort of got on this topic in a previous episode. Where, where the Santana one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I remember being like, is yeah, Elvis Sant- cool? Yeah, is Elvis cool? That's oh, a good no, one. he's not. Oh, no, yeah. I was like, I think Elvis is kind of cool. And then we watched that video of him air guitaring to his own band. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, Elvis uh, is the worst. Not cool at all. But that was also like 70s Elvis. I think 50s Elvis was probably pretty fucking cool. I really want to go to Graceland and see all the fucking weird Elvis heads. I don't. I don't want I don't to want, do I don't care at all about the space. I want to see the people who go. <laughs> oh Those pe- That sounds amazing to me. Just like, oh, look at this fucking mania. Look at these people. And they love. Like, in who, 2018, who, they're was, worshiping Elvis. Still worshiping Elvis. God. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, man, Elvis, Johnny Cash, Chuck Berry, like that's that's the beginning. But yeah, I mean, to go back to to Psychobilly, they seem to be in this sort of aesthetic, like this pre-60s aesthetic of like, you know, it's like gothy pinup girls and like greaser dudes you know like yeah there's this whole like grease fetish that like (laughs) that people are in that i don't really understand but yeah that aesthetic is is frozen in the 50s and like you actually said it quite well it's like there's a there's a distinction between rock and roll and rock and rock and roll has these kind of like classical elements to it um you know like horns and upright bases and stuff there's like there's room for that in rock and roll because it's basically the blues and it and there is sort of like a jazz slash classical element to it i'm gonna show you elvis and i'm gonna show you jimmy and i'm gonna we're gonna see how fucking crazy different they are oh yeah oh is this jailhouse rock is this like the first music video it feels like it right (laughs) Or is this an Elvis movie? Because they made a lot of those, too. I wonder if this was on TV? Or, like, where did this go? Might have been on TV. I mean, there's something cool about it, you know? Oh, dude, nothing like this had been done before. Yeah. Compare this to the Childish Gambino dancing we saw earlier. Mm, it's, it's similar. Like, somewhat similar, and it's, like, kind of, like... Uh, 
structure? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's totally he's totally ripping off. Like, it's like this twist derivative or something. I'm not sure. Oh, the twist know. wasn't invented yet, dude. No? No, the twist came with the Beatles. The Beatles what? invented the twist. Really? Or no, no, no. They, they did twist and shout. Yeah. But the twist was invented by someone else. Huh. Some other... Me- Elvis did not invent the twist. Okay. Uh, this is definitely appropriating, like, black culture, though. Like, it's pretty obvious. What's, li- what's black about it? They're literally, like, well, like... Like you said, like the Childish Gambino dance moves. I mean, Childish Gambino isn't covering Elvis, right? No, like, that's not what I was claiming. You know, but that's what I mean is like, and and like the, uh, I don't know, there's something minstrelly about it. Like look at their jackets, the buttons, and the way they're moving. And and when they had the horn props, they looked like a fucking like New Orleans like marching band. Like, huh. He's, and and Elvis is very deliberately sampled from like Southern black culture. Yeah, well, I I know that the, this, you know this dancing in the fifties was so salacious. Uh huh. Like nothing had ever been done like this. Look I, at this. Look at how sexual it is. Yeah. They're showing off their strength. They're flexing their crotches. They're moving in very sensual, fluid ways. You know. Mm. Uh, compare this. Uh, maybe five years prior to like Fred Astaire or like any of the like 40s Hollywood stuff where men are just like tap dancing, you know, it's like this is sexy. This is the first time we've seen like sexy performance. So for those of you at home keeping track, uh, Elvis is back to being cool. Everyone. Yeah, Woo, he's back. Blue suede shoes. Oh, Let's play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. But I do want to compare him to what comes next, which is, which is really kind of amazing. But yeah, that song was that song was pretty cool. That was <laughs> Jailhouse Rock. Seeing him do it made it seem cool, you know. Well, like seeing it, him not being like depressed old Elvis made it seem cool. Okay. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show. I wish it was sharp. It's frustrating. Look at that smile. <laughs> and that wink. Oh, yeah. For all the girls at home. Step on my face. He's playing with one hand because he doesn't give a fuck. I don't think he's God. really playing here either. Who knows? But I think he's just open strumming it at some points where he's just like, you know. Well, there's clearly an electric guitar going on that he's not playing. Huh. See those high pitched notes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is this essentially just being like, hey, bitch, you better be a good dancer. <laughs> yeah, basically. Don't slip on my goddamn shoes. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, you better know how to dance. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> I said, bitch. Yeah, I don't use that word in a Don't step on my blue suede shoes. Yeah, it punctuates some things. <laughs> What y'all watching, hoes? 
All right, all right. This is Jimmy. This is Jimmy Hendrix now. Fast forward what? Ten years? Oops. Oops. Is it a full ten years? You think? This isn't doing what I want. There it is. Yeah, this is uh, 69. Wow. Just noise music comparatively. Yeah. Can you imagine being like, oh, I can't stand that Jimi Hendrix guy. But it's still it's still the blues, though. Oh, that's what he is. Oh, look at this guy's climbing. Imagine hearing this shit for the first time and also just being on acid every day. <laughs> yeah. Look at him pry his fingers Jimmy. off. Wow. <laughs> they, got, they, they dropped they him. They got dude. him. They dropped him. That sounds like a fun job. I would take on that job of like, all right, your job is to stop anyone who tries to climb up. And be like, I'll take that job. Prying people's fingers up. Get down. Get down. Look how high that stage it's is. It's gigantic. That's so silly. Look at this wall of speakers behind him, too. They don't have like a like real like stadium PA setup it seems because no. it's out in the woods. Yeah. It's not like there's speakers out <laughs> there's another guy. They're literally just playing into an open field. Yeah. Woodstock must have sounded terrible. Oh. Because they didn't have the technology to make it sound good. Yeah. It was probably only loud enough, like a hundred feet from it. The and there were five million people there yeah. or something crazy. The Beatles the Beatles literally started making like the first music videos kind of because the Beatles never played live because they could never fucking hear themselves uh huh because, because people are screaming the whole time yeah that was part of it but also just they didn't have the sound system capable of overpowering the screams yeah and they were just like yeah we can never go on tour so they started making like movies uh -huh. for their songs yeah. Paperback Writer was the first huh. one they ever did Oh, look at this guy loving it in the back, guy. Oh, my God. He's just like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, I get to be Woo! up here with Jimmy. Wow. Yeah, no one had done this No one had done before. this. It's, it's yeah. totally different. It's like, wait, he never strums it. Yeah, the technique is crazy. Yeah. But it's still like on beat. It's like what people were. It's like what Charlie Parker was doing with the horn. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, now yeah. it's on a guitar. Absolutely. Yeah. He's from that tradition. <laughs> Holy fuck! Yeah. Where is this? This is Newport Festival. So yeah, is it Newport, is... Rhode Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Newport Pop Festival, maybe. Yeah. I went there for the Folk Fest huh. in 2012. It was cool. Yeah. Quest. <laughs> Quest loves in the Quest house. Love. <laughs> Quest loves in the house. <laughs> hey guys, Quest loves in the house. <laughs> there he is. Quest loves not in the house. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix rules. It's fucking good, man. When you were talking about uh, 
freaks and geeks, I had a thought that uh, I hadn't shared that was like, I watched uh, The Simpsons for the first time recently, in which I started watching from Homer's perspective rather than Bart's perspective. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a totally different show now that I'm like a little older and paying attention to like the Homer jokes. And mm. like, they're probably the best jokes because oh, yeah. they're, they're written by adults. By adults, yeah, you yeah. know? And like the show became way funnier. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, like I could rewatch this whole season series and like watch a whole new show. Yeah. I almost never identified with children's perspectives in fiction. Bring this all back. Yeah. To catch in the rye. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what it was, yeah. But it's like ever since I was five I've wanted to be a fucking adult, you know. <laughs> just like As what that, does that mean? I don't know. It's just like Because I still don't feel like an adult. Yeah. Do you feel like an adult? Do you feel like you made it? No. From five to now? I've been mean, working on it this whole time. Yeah, I mean, somewhat. <laughs> no, it's just like fucking... I don't know. I don't know. I just never wanted to be like fucking... Well, being treated <laughs> like a child is obnoxious yeah, because yeah. you have no power. But pre being treated like an adult is obnoxious because you have all the responsibility. Right. And you have to choose one or the other. Right. No power or all the responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, it's a classic Spider-Man decision. <laughs> the old Spider-Man paradigm. Yeah, the old yeah, Uncle yeah. Ben. The old Uncle Ben. <laughs> what if Spider-Man had said, like, when Uncle Ben went, said, with great power comes great responsibility, he goes, oh, well, then fuck it. <laughs> and Spider-Man never End gets... End movie. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I don't want that responsibility. Yeah, like, ugh, well, take it back then. And he just <coughs> coughs up a spider. <laughs> And the book's over. Three pages. <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> the end. <laughs> what other comic books could we end really stupidly like that? Batman, go, uh, little Bruce Wayne actually like goes to therapy or is, yeah. or is taken in by very kind aunts and uncles yeah, yeah. or anyone or other anyone. than Alfred? <laughs> Why the fuck is Alfred Bruce Wayne's only caretaker? He's clearly not a caring guy. He's a fucking possibly like yeah. eternally single. We have no idea if he's ever had a relationship other than being the manservant to the Wayne family. The Waynes, the Wayne family had no extended family. There were no aunts no or uncles. <laughs> No, what? Not even a business partner? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There wasn't, oh, and that so wasn't funny. national headline news of like, Butler takes on billionaire boy <laughs> after the world famous billionaire Waynes were murdered in the streets. <laughs> Stunning turn of events as the Butler will now raise the young orphan boy. Because what? No one noticed? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? No one noticed. Everyone was too sad. They were yeah. like, what's Bruce going to do? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh, well, thank God that butler's going to take care of him. Yeah. I mean, like, was yeah. that written in the Wayne's, like, uh, maybe it was. Like, Maybe Will? it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the only explanation. And the boy goes to Alfred. Yeah. Maybe they just trusted Alfred more than their own family. <laughs> I mean, we don't know of any of the other Waynes. Maybe there, there are all... no other Waynes. Yeah. They're maybe all th dead. That's too bad. I, I wonder mm. if Thomas Wayne had, like, a brother who was a real fuck up and, like, 
Yeah, like, yeah. Bruce can't be raised by him. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. You know, it's like Mike Wayne is a real fuck. Mike Wayne, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Mike is yeah. a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Yeah, we. Kids. There's no Alfred will take care of Bruce before and Martha. That, that's an amazing scene in like the the Wayne Manor study. Tom, young Thomas and Martha Wayne with their young boy are just planning for the eventualities of their death. And they're like, oh, yeah, Alfred's the best decision. <laughs> Definitely. Alfred's like, uh, uh, fuck. Uh, sir, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want to be employed. If, if you die, I don't want your son. <laughs> I'm hmm. not... Re- they so just was- thrust their boy on their employee. <laughs> Alfred was like, I did not sign up to be like, yeah, I could be a father figure to this young boy. Well, no, but I'm didn't- not going to be his. Alfred did sign up, though. By well, being an employee? No, I think. By being I- the janitor? I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he it's was. Like- I don't think he was willed to Alfred. I think Alfred continued his duty out of a sense of like obligation or something. I feel like someone clearly could have done a better job because Alfred raised a psycho. I mean, yeah, he did. <laughs> a psychotic fascist. Yeah. <laughs> he raised a psycho. Well, Alfred, yeah, Alfred's no Alfred, counselor. You fucked up. Alfred couldn't see all the trauma. I think that that's. A, I like how Michael Caine plays Alfred. Well, that, I was just gonna say. I think Chris Nolan addressed this with his Batman because in that sort of final confrontation where Bruce Wayne basically fires Alfred, yeah. and he's they're both like crying. And Alfred says something like, "I promised that I would be here for you," and it almost sounds like he's not even getting paid anymore. It almost sounds like he's just like. I need to be there for Bruce. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, my impression with Alfred is that he's always actually had uh, complete access to the family finances. Yeah. Um, because who else is buying food? Bruce right. Wayne's not grocery shopping. Yeah, right. Like, and so, like, he's buying all the food. He's paying all of the bills. And well, we probably don't have bills. because no, they, they have property tax. Right. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. They've sure. got lights to keep on. I yeah, mean, right. like, okay. he's managing all the accounts before internet. Right. Like they're not on auto pay. So yeah. he's writing checks. <laughs> Bruce Wayne's not writing checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that that is really interesting. He's keeping actually. the cars oiled, I bet. <laughs> like he's doing the gas every, filled. He's doing all the practical. I've shit. never seen Bruce Wayne be like, Oh, Alfred, we're low on gas. <laughs> you should I've never order seen, more. I've never seen Bruce Wayne change a tire. Never. <laughs> <laughs> he's just He's just running around the city blowing shit up. A, that'd be a really fun comic to write is just the adventures of Alfred. Just doing Alfred just the Batmobile comes in with a fucking hole blown in it. He's like, all right, he's just fixing yeah. it all day. He Bruce Wayne is up. just an Woo! immature dick. Yeah. It's Bruce Wayne, you know, because we normally know Batman at like 30, 35, probably. Yeah, yeah. But I want to know like, but like 20 year old Batman. I want to see 20 year old Bruce Wayne who's oh just God. like I'm learning to be a Mortal Combat fighter, <laughs> Alfred. And it's just like, no. Uh, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to learn to fight, and I'm going to kick the bad guy's asses. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be fucking under my boot, Alfred. It's like, uh, all right. Under my it. fucking boot. <laughs> it's Bam Margera yeah, as oh Batman. What a- Bruce Wayne, what will he do next? Whatever the fuck I want. Hey, Alfred, the fridge is empty. (laughs) 
You're such a fucking episode idiot, one. Alfred. Episode one. We're going to build a half pipe in Alfred's bedroom. It's going to be sick. Alfred, I'm digging out a cave under the mansion, and I'm going to put my motorcycle put in it. My, I'm going to build a half pipe in, uh, in the cavern under the house. You can't stop me. <laughs> Alfred, make a door with books in front of it, a fake door, and a slidey slide down, and I'm going to have my motorcycle down there. I'm going to call it the Batcave. It's going to be fucking rad. Make it work. Rad, rad, All right, Master Wayne, I'll get in a contractor later this evening. He's such a a pushover. It'll be ready to go by next Tuesday. Tuesday's not fast enough, Alfred. (laughs) Alfred, I'm going to start fighting crime. Oh, my God. Alfred. I know you felt bad because the kid watched his parents get killed. But but. you can let him die. You can just stop buying food and be like, Alfred, I'm so hungry. (laughs) Let's go get food. It's like, sorry, Master Wayne. You can't drive the car yet, and I can't buy groceries for you. You're going to die. (laughs) He locks him in a cage (laughs) under the main lantern. He's like, finally, (laughs) I'm free. (laughs) And no one would ever know. He just skips and whistles out of Years later, people would be like, whatever happened to Bruce Wayne? (laughs) Billionaire eccentric Bruce Wayne hasn't been seen out of his house in about 10 or 15 years. What do you think he's still doing in there? Like a Grey Garden situation. Exactly. And finally... Finally, they'd find his eight-year-old body dead with a note from Alfred that just says, I'm sorry. (laughs) End of movie. All right. (laughs) There we go. Alfred starves Bruce Wayne in a cage because he didn't ask for that. It's like, fuck, he goes crazy immediately trying to raise. He leaves the seven-year-old Bruce Wayne behind a fire department. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately gives... Bruce up for adoption. Yeah. Like, fuck. Fuck it. This is beyond my pay grade. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. And they're like, uh, excuse me, young boy. Uh, why are you behind the fire department? My butler left me. He said, good luck, boy. I could drop you off, and I'll see you maybe never. And now I'm here. Who are you? My name's Bruce Wayne. Oh, oh billionaire child orphan famous Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Well, we'll just take you back to the mansion. And they ding dong. Alfred opens the door. He's like in a like a Hawaiian shirt like, with a suitcase <laughs> full of money and get, sunglasses he's on. Ready he's to like, get, uh, oh, Mr. Alfred, we found your boy. He's ready to fly oh, the coop. <laughs> I forgot him behind the fire department. Whoops. He's ready to skip town. <laughs> That's his big plan. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, now I'm going have, to Mexico. Well, now I have to starve this boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way. Yeah. Oh, that's well. the only. That's the only way. That's the. I'm I'll going back to, to that jungle. Have to starve and this. I know where there's <laughs> Ruby, the size of a tangerine. <laughs> Alfred, you have all the money you could ever ask for. <laughs> yeah, but this was a Ruby, <laughs> the size <laughs> of a tangerine. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing you've ever said. <laughs> A ruby. Oh wow. A ruby. The stars. Yeah. Oh, a tangerine. So that's how Batman ends. We've got Spider Man, we got the Batman. <laughs> oh, what about I, Superman? Like I love that. Superman. 
Superman, what? his like pod just I hits just... and they just find a dead baby. <laughs> just... It didn't. It's like, oh, wasn't as strong as we thought. Yeah. I guess Kryptonian yeah, I mean, babies there's... can't survive an interstellar crash. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that could have gone wrong. Yeah. He just gets hit by a meteor. <laughs> <laughs> just boinked off into the infinity of space. No, just explode. <laughs> <laughs> a comet just hits the pod. Yeah. There's so much debris in space. Yeah. It would have hit something. It just nails the asteroid field. That's oh. just it. It just hits the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just stuck on the moon forever. No, he just dies because <laughs> the pod explodes. There's no way there's no way he'd survive that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, ostensibly I think they picked a place for him to end up. I think they shot him to the just anywhere yeah i don't think they just shot him off into space yeah but man that is funny <laughs> fucking alfred yeah. the great thing about batman is there's so many things that you can think of i mean he's such a weird character <laughs> he really is <laughs> i'm going back to that jungle <laughs> to find a ruby <laughs> the source I can't even do it. I'm laughing too much. That's so funny. Yeah, I love that. You, I, you brought that up a couple nights ago, and I just thought it was so silly. <laughs> I just love the picture of Alfred with a Hawaiian shirt on, sunglasses on, briefcase full of money. I'm going back. I'm going back to Burma. <laughs> to find yeah, we had, Burma. We were bribing the rope. <laughs> Fuck. Like, what was? What's Alfred's young life like? Does he have PTSD? No, he he was in the war, man. Which war? The the Great War? No, the Burmese War. He was a conqueror. He's a monster. He's a bad guy. He likes pineapple. I don't know. <laughs> He's a colonist. Yeah. He's a colonizer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know what his deal was, man. It seems like he's pretty fucking old, but you could make a great. Uh, uh, like... No, I think he was with the British. I think he was with the British uh, forces. The fighting for Chiang, supporting Chiang Kai Shek. What is Chiang Kai Shek? uh chinese nationalists in world war ii huh uh yeah there was i mean that's where the the whole like myth well it's not a myth because it really happened but the whole sort of like story of the flying tigers or the american volunteers who went over to china to fight the japanese oh wow and they had these uh yeah like before we officially went to war with them oh because people hated the japanese well no, the japanese were oh is this were this at, is this is pretty pearl harbor though yeah this is uh, the japanese uh-huh. were at war with china right right. this right. is like in the 30s and early 40s because i bet a lot of people did that like post-war or post pearl harbor but by that point we were actually in the war oh well yeah. this is so this is actually amazing i found a book in a thrift store in california when we were out there that i really wanted to get but i just i just didn't have any money and uh uh, and it was um, a bunch of photographs. I forget just different war correspondence of the the Chinese Japanese War in Burma, and there was an American like expeditionary force sent to support the Chinese nationalists in the 30s before war with Japan officially broke out. Like they were sent as advisors and like support, blah blah blah. Hmm. But like they actually had active combat missions against uh the japanese army Hmm. um at least the flying tigers did um when did the cultural revolution in china happen is that the the 50s i think huh so that's maybe the 60s who's in charge of china during the war uh it was a civil war during when uh, the the japanese attacked during a civil war 
Oh, really? Yeah, it was very dishonorable. So, yeah. oh, really? Yeah. Uh, wow. Oh, that's yeah. That is a pretty. That's a gangster move. Yeah. Uh, be like, oh, they're weak. Fuck them. Uh, Ch- Chiang Kai-shek and Mao, Mao Zedong were fighting for control of China, and Mao won. Huh. We backed. Did the Na- Mao? Uh, we didn't back Mao. We backed the nationalists. That's why China has been suspicious of us for so long. Huh. Is that Mao's party won? We backed Chiang Kai-shek. Uh, in that civil war, and then Mao defeated us and Chiang Kai-shek, and Mao's party still rules China, hmm. and that's why our relations are so chilly. Huh. Because it's like, oh, you fucked us, boys. Yeah, it was just like, oh, really? You oh. wanna you wanna play nice now? Yeah. Well, you hated Mao. Yeah. Like back then, so right. what the fuck? And uh, yeah, that's why Mao was so anti-American. Uh huh. You know, but uh. Man, yeah, but this book was amazing. It was, and they sent this American general from, and and I would just love, man, I would love there to be a movie made about this shit. Is they sent this American general from like World War One over to f- the fucking jungles of Burma in the thirties to like fight the Japanese, hmm. and it, and he was just like, I have no fuck. He, he had no clue what he was doing. Like, imagine sending, you know. A fucking imagine sending General Pershing on his horse with his fucking you know doughboy uniform over to Vietnam, mm-hmm. right? And it, it, the guy got fucked. Yeah, like especially fighting like people native to that land. Like that was our first experiment with like supporting a foreign government in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like. And like fighting that far from home, and fighting in the tropics of like Asia, and we got fucked, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we just never learned our lesson. We're like, well, we'll do it again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we were like absolutely routed by the Japanese in Burma. Hmm. The we like the the American and Chinese forces were like literally like hauling ass like through Southeast Asia, like trying to get the fuck out Hmm. of the empire of japan's so way. you're saying that alfred probably has some severe ptsd <laughs> yeah i think he so. probably was in the shit when i was in burma yeah we were bribing local chieftains yeah and those with local precious stouts they were probably on the other team yeah maybe and they probably slaughtered all his friends yeah he came back and and he was raised, like oh, i'm gonna a have a, <laughs> i'm gonna have a quiet life just serving these billionaires yeah i don't need i, I want an easy job where i just dust the the cupboards and i just wash the dishes and then he was responsible for a psychopath and then he got a child thrown on him he's like oh man i'm just gonna take care of this young lad and play games and just be the fun uncle alfred and then his parents died and then i became his father his father but I had nightmares I every him, night of Burma <laughs> jungle. I told him all about what and happened. I told him Burma. of the bat that would hunt me in the jungle. <laughs> and I put a fear into that boy, and he's become the Batman now. I know it's all my fault. It's all my fault. I killed him. I killed little Bruce. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Who else? Who else? <laughs> What other superheroes could we just give up on? <laughs> I'm just imagining that these stories actually come to fruition. It's like it's only funny because we have this whole 
other canon of like their exploits to compare it against right but like the like what what superheroes have been left on the drawing board for equally oh my god if you look at stan lee's character list none Yeah, they've all made it. <laughs> they've all made every character. Every, he's got he's what, ever like dreamed 5, of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he gives it a shot, which I mean, go for him. Yeah. He's, but he's got no filter, it seems. Yeah. Uh, unless he does, and there's some real stupid characters sitting around. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there uh, are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that Key and Peel skit. They do uh, the weakest rappers in the Marvel universe. Oh wow, full circle. Let's see, Daredevil, really? Oh wow, really? Daredevil's good. Max Murdock was blinded by a radioactive waste while trying to save a stranger that was about to get hit by a truck. Yeah, that his was origin it. story is a little crazy. In turn, his other senses were heightened to superhuman sharpness, and he gained a form of radar sense. By day, he is a successful trial lawyer, but by night, he guards Hell's Kitchen as Daredevil. Dazzler. Uh, who, wow. Do you know who Dazzler is? No, I don't. All right, so Dazzler is a mutant with the ability to transduce sound into light. What? She can use any source of sound for this with the exception of her own voice unless it is redirected to her via speakers. Hold on. Look at look at Dazzler. She's that so is, sexy. Well, not only that, but she's a disco babe. This is what? this is a comic for the disco era. Oh shit, I guess she is. Yeah. Huh. So she can turn sound into light. Why is that cool? Yeah. She stores this energy until she is willing to and or able to release it. So she, no, she's literally just a disco. This is this is the so she's comic just fun at parties. Into... Is that really Bas- all it basically. is? It's just like oh, when the music's thumping, she can like a disco ball send I light mean, out. I mean many. Or, I mean many of the mutants in Stanley's universe don't have very useful powers. Huh? They don't have combat powers. Oh, a lot of them have just like weird passive powers. Oh, I like that. I never actually considered that as a thing. Blue streak was a longtime enemy of Captain America's until he was killed by the scourge of the underworld. He wore roller skates that <laughs> propelled him at speeds, quote, speeds at least up to 125 miles per hour. <laughs> it's not even that fast. <laughs> he just had a rocket skate. And he looks like thing. he like is has like a snorkel on. That was his He's thing. Got he like, had rocket skates. Yeah. Oh, man. Rocket skates. Blue streak. Uh, man. Oh, no. Who has big green stump feet is Mab- wearing a leotard with big thick man legs mabaku and as a worshiper of the sacred white gorilla who was exiled oh he's a he's from wakanda he's a uh fucking uh, oh he's from black panther yeah, he's a black panther guy because of his actions in leading the cult and betraying the black panther the sacred ritual gives him ape-like strength, agility, and stamina. So his only problem is that he looks really stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's man leg bottom. Uh, like he, it's like he took this. It, it, this actually might be who he is. He's just a big brute of a character who killed the yeti and then is now wearing his skin. Yeah. Uh, because there's think, like the yeti's head is like emerging out of his mouth. I think he's kind of cool. I think he's kind of cool too. Yeah. He looks like a He-Man this character. This is a, this is a biased list. Well, let's see what else we got on here. We got Pace Pot Pete Trapster. <laughs> what? Which is a fucking man in a green jumpsuit with like a like a, a chef's can <laughs> and a paint can. A genius chemist, you mean? <laughs> who invented a potent multi-polymer adhesive <laughs> and immediately decided to use his invention to commit crimes. So he's got a bucket of multi-polymer potent 
multi-polymer adhesive. What? So he's got glue. First assuming <laughs> the identity of Paste Pot Pete, he changed it to the more intimidating title of The Trapster. What? Oh man, I wish he kept he Paste Pot glue? Pete forever. He just uses glue to commit I'll crime? stick you there, Spider-Man. <laughs> All right. Uh, what a snack. sticky situation you're in, Batman. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Who's this? This no. looks like the Juggernaut. But Litterbug. They're, Litterbug. They're, they're, they're like a stone golem. A Morlock with roach characteristics. Oh, Great. Jesus. He possesses a chitlinous exoskeleton that protects him from injury and makes him virtually invulnerable against physical attacks. So literally just Juggernaut, but gray so far yeah uh but his mutation makes it hard for him to speak <laughs> oh no that's the big twist <laughs> but he also has extremely hard and sharp claws and teeth as well as superhuman strength speed agility and stamina he is a skilled mechanic so he like by day works on cars <laughs> by night fights superman like he seems super tough but what? he can't speak he's like he just Arr. he just goes uh-oh so we have leonidas dr bong okay all right i want to read this bong. one bong dr bong dr bong possesses no innate powers <laughs> <laughs> dr bong possesses no innate powers he is a genetic engineering genius and has demonstrated the ability to evolve normal animals into semi-humanoid beings wow so he can turn what just he goes around turning animals into s sort of not animals who is this guy dr bong oh my god wow i like him uh we've got <laughs> spearhead ruby tuesday oh ruby thursday <laughs> my mistake yeah but ruby morndas wow so ruby thursday is just like a sexy lady in red leather with no head and instead of a head it's there's a, a, a gumball <laughs> or like a, a crystal ball of seeing eye magic just a sphere it's a little too small to be a head it looks like a gumball. it's like a stupid looking doctor strange Ruby Thursday is the ability is able to shapeshift her head into any shape she pleases, <laughs> whether it be human in shape or an offensive weapon such as a sword. God, I'd love to see her fight with a, a sword, a sword head. head. She has been able to transform into many different appearances, such as a giant pair of lips, oh, yeah. a shield, and a pair of wings. She can also sprout multiple appendages from her head, such as several arms, tentacles, or pussies. Inside her head are several defensive weapons, such as stingers and explosive charges. Ruby Thursday is able to launch her head from her body at will and hover around, or simply explode her head and knocking everyone in their close vicinity unconscious. That and was their saying, not mine. Due to her computer mind, nice plot twist, Ruby is unable to, wow, unable to be killed. What a character. What a fucking pain Holy in the ass. Shit. Her so she's got just a shape shifting head of varying <laughs> functions. She's also a computer. Also a computer mind that can't be killed? Like computers are not indestructible. How does that follow? What is this one? Squirrel girl. Oh my look at those eyes. Terrifying. Alright. Squirrel girl <laughs> is a dangerous opponent. Clearly. <laughs> who is always underestimated by her <laughs> adversaries. So damn cute. <laughs> Primarily due to her cute appearance and squirrel-like powers. 
She has defeated powerful foes, including Doctor Doom, Thanos, Thanos Deadpool, and Wolverine. Holy she defeated shit. Thanos. <laughs> I wonder if she's in Infinity War. Wow. Squirrel Girl comes to save the day. Asbestos Lady. Oh my God. Wow. You want to do the honors on Asbestos Lady? Uh, so Asbestos Lady often fought the Human Torch of the Fantastic Four. Jim Hammond? Uh, maybe there's many different human torches. In a suit made of asbestos, because everyone knows what fire doesn't like. She proved to be quite a challenge for many of the superheroes, but her creation would ironically lead to her demise. <laughs> Veronica Murdoch eventually died from cancer. Oh, my <laughs> God. Holy shit. Asbestos lady. Bird brain! <laughs> A human bird hybrid. Oh my god! Animal. It looks like Esme. Who escaped from Paradise Island? Birdbrain was adopted by the New Mutants. Just look <laughs> Just at it. Just look at it. Jesus Christ! Oh my God! It's like it's like a scary, happy Cruella Deville. Holy shit! But bird version, like with claws and feathers. That's Just this is a cow. That's a hell cow. <laughs> This is a in the Marvel universe. Bitten by Dracula. <laughs> cow plus vampire equals hell cow. Uh, a cow. Simple math. That's their story. <laughs> That's when you know the comic is about to go to press, like yeah. in five minutes, yeah. and they're like, "Come on, we need something." You're just like, "Hell cow." I don't know. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> uh, well, I do have this one idea. <laughs> Anything. I, I do have this. Well. I don't know. I I brought this up in another writers meeting, yeah. and everyone, uh, no one wanted to hear it. Yeah, but what maybe is it now? Bill? We're ready but, for Hellcat. Oh, right. <laughs> Guys, we need we need a new comic today. What's what's going on? No one has anything. Well, you know, I brought something up last month that no one seemed to take seriously. No, Brett, we can't do Hellcat. It's so bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, think who, of that vampire who, who is just like, man, I'm so fucking hungry. I'm so hungry. But I'm just... so tired of going into town. What do I got here? 3D like... man. That That's you. As 3D man, Chuck Chandler possessed approximately three times the physical capabilities of a regular one-dimensional man. <laughs> three times, three times stronger. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 3D man is three times as strong. That's not that much. Three times. <laughs> In a world where you could have any power. <laughs> He's. Let's not. There are people. There are real crazy. people who are three times stronger than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go nuts yeah. here. He could live like He's 300 three, pounds. It's He's pretty three amazing. times as strong, fast, and durable. He's weaker than the world's strongest man. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the world's strongest man is probably 10 times stronger than the average man. <laughs> so he's just getting beat by like Thor, oh whatever his name is. All right, who's next? Oh my, it looks like a blob. Hold it on. looks bad. Is that the last one? Holy shit. What the uh, Classic dick butt. Dick this butt. isn't the Marvel Universe. Oh, Get the fuck out. Boo. It was all a troll yeah. thing. Wow, we got fucked. <sighs> we, got, we got fucked. Man, man, oh man. My name is Leonardo. <laughs> and right now, my brothers and I are in a mess of trouble. Oh boy. Look at this concept that somehow worked. <laughs> yeah, right? 
Saffron Alley. Cornered by the toughest street gang on the east side. Look at the freaks. Watch with the dweeby costume. This ain't Halloween. You're going No, we're real freaks. turtles. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> No, we're real teenage turtles. Yeah. Chill out, man. We're real turtles. They've got fucking, <laughs> fucking swords and daggers. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They're about to murder people. <laughs> what a... Yeah, how did this work? Oh, this song sucks. This isn't the song I wanted at all. No, this is this is the is reboot. This the new version? Yeah, this is the new oh, version. Damn it. Are you looking for the for our version with the puppets version. and shit? Classic. You gotta have classic. No, uh, this song. This song is the best. It explains the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> The world's most fearsome fighting team. And they're green. They made they made the half shell joke twice. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a video game soundtrack. Yeah, it does. I want that as a sound drop. He's a radical rat. So good. Heroes in a half shell. <laughs> God, that joke never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> Heroes in a half shell. Have you seen um the classic uh Batman bomb scene? Probably. Oh, look at that bomb. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Man, 60s Batman was so fucking weird. So weird. It's pop art, Batman. Yeah. It's Andy Warhol, yeah. Batman. It's crazy. Look at this world that they play in, though. This looks so fun. I yeah. like envy Adam West of just like, look at like this cartoon world. Everyone, flee for your lives! Flee for your lives! <laughs> <laughs> These people who don't give a fuck. This is how Batman solves problems. Yeah. In the '60s. Yeah. I'm like, eh, fuck the it. The fat ladies, that's the joke, is they're fat. Yeah. Yield Benbo Tavern. <laughs> Benbo. I don't get that. Uh-oh, nuns. <laughs> Uh-oh, baby. Oh, no. Run, Batman. <laughs> oh, no, the band. <laughs> <laughs> There's no rush. The bomb is not going to go off. Batman. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Oh, no! The Batmobile is so cool, though. It is cool. <laughs> Chuck it. Oh, no! no! Lovers! Young lovers! No! <laughs> it's so silly. Yeah. 
No smoking. Oh, you can't go there either. Because it's fuel tanks. <laughs> nuns. <laughs> Shit, more Baby, nuns. Got... No. This keeps it starts over. Oh my That's god. That's so awesome. No, <laughs> baby ducks. <laughs> so silly. I can't throw this bomb anywhere. So cool. Oh what? no. It got him. No, oh, Batman, no. <laughs> Look at this boy. <laughs> Perfectly normal. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Look at this underwear sporting Batman. boy. Batman. Batman! <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was great. What the fuck? That was so good. Oh man. Oh, Cesar Romero Joker. Let's see a little of that. Goes to school. <laughs> Did you write it yourself? Oh, heck no. Miss Browning, our poetry professor. Let's take a break, gang. Anyone for a drink? Me. <laughs> what the? Milk. Look at this milk dispenser. What the? The Joker goes to school. Oh, coins. So, what? Doubloons. Hey boys, this milk dispenser gives out money. Yes, Commissioner. Prepare yourself for a blow. Someone instructed me. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred comes in. Did someone say blow? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Man, that's a cool Batmobile. Yeah. All right. Spent their whole budget on. <laughs> Pulls up nice and slow. Yeah. Woodrow Roosevelt High School. <laughs> Here's my bat megaphone. Why are we listening to the costumed man? Thunderhead doing. What? The Joker is so cool in this world. Everything is just so silly. Yeah, he created a Folks, gun record machine. Yeah. Makes What's no this sense. angle? He may have several. One is to lure you into a deceptive pattern of easy living. You'll quit your studies, become dropouts. <laughs> what? Yes, that's the Joker's He's plan. Timothy Leary. Here yeah. Is, everybody. Yeah. I want you to see that. Ah, Tim. Flower in his buttonhole. He's so flamboyant and happy. Yeah. Sometimes it shoots out water. The Joker Outside. is acid. Knockout gas. Batman is. It feels like it in some way. Holy <laughs> Oh, you've been dosed with a po with a a, a plume of smoke. <laughs> ah. And now the Joker shows up. Yeah. Joker, what are you doing here? Oh, 
just passing Seriously, by. Though. I heard my name, and I couldn't resist shooting a jolly jet through the tiny perforation in that screen. Gimmick another innocent vending machine. Oh, there must <laughs> be bats in your belfry, Batman. Has anyone found fingerprints or other evidence? You're too smart for that, Joker. Loitering on school property. Ah, <laughs> oh, wrong, kiddies. Look up the statute. In Gotham City, the crime of loitering requires the loiterer to remain in the same spot for over two minutes. Damn it, he got me there. <laughs> oh, dear me. The court jester must run just in time. <laughs> well, goodbye, kiddies. And remember, I was here, huh? <laughs> what an odd party. Why are. they don't yeah, just stop him? Remember he was here. Establishing no evidence. Mind. Right. Gee whiz. Alibi for what? Well, look at that car. Holy shit. The signal. Batman! Hey, Batman! <laughs> what now, Commissioner? An another strike. A cocktail lounge. We'll never make it sticky. Has an alibi. Maybe we can break it. Impossible. The alibi is me. What? Boys and girls, go back to your studies. Believe me, nothing in life is free. <laughs> uh, wow what wow. the fuck that's that, the pacing of that is so bizarre it feels like a Believe joke me, nothing in life is free yeah uh oh, it, it feels shit. like a joke the entire time um but that was great yeah i i just i, I was just watching the whole thing we weren't talking um Shall we, uh, shall we that was a good call note. this a co? Yeah, that was yeah. a good note to end the show on. Yeah, all right. Anyway. That was fun, man. Should we record uh, an intro since we fucked it up the first time? Uh, how do you want to, would you want to do like a, like, so, l yeah, let's do an yeah. intro, be, like a recap of just like, yeah.